Well, on March 27th, we made the announcement, in case you didn't hear it, that uh, I'm going to be the senior pastor at Fairfax Bible Church near Washington, D.C. It's the last time I'll get to preach from this pulpit in this role. And I'm so grateful for this pulpit at this church because it's the place where I've grown to know and love the Word of God and see Jesus from the Scriptures. And I know you have too. And I'm so appreciative of, of this church. And, and I want to invite you this morning. We're not going to conclude John. I'll let the rest of the preaching team conclude John, I believe, next week. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. I invite you, if you don't have your Bible on your phone or, in, you know, a physical Bible, go uh, reach out for that Bible that's in the pew in front of you, page 777. I looked it up for you. You got no excuse. You can see the scriptures for yourselves. Page 777. And we're going to take a look at that here in just a moment. But uh, as Pastor Larry shared... This is our final Sunday as a family worshiping with our family at Valley Bible Church, but we're still family. We're still family, and we're going to be worshiping with some of our family all the way on the other side of the country near Washington, D.C. at Fairfax Bible Church. So just replace Valley with Fairfax, and boom, Fairfax Bible Church. That's where we're going to be here in the next few weeks, and we're going to call Fairfax, Virginia our new home. Uh, but back on January 12th, 2015, was my very first day on staff at Valley Bible. Now before that, I, we were here at Valley Bible Church, worshiping, serving, fellowshipping, uh, just like you as a, as a member here at Valley Bible Church. Uh, uh, but I was asked to come on staff and replace some massive shoes. Not because she has big feet, but because she has great influence. Mrs. Carolyn Howard, Pastor Phil's wife, was leading the kids ministry here so faithfully. And I got to come and I got to uh, be the kids ministry director here at Valley Bible Church, and I was so excited to stop selling toilets for the plumbing wholesaler that I used to work for, and it was awesome, but you know, even on my hardest days here in ministry, I'd think to myself, hey, it's better than selling toilets, Matthew, right? And if you're a toilet sales person, hey, that's a great, great career to, to put food on the table. Praise be to God. By the way, we didn't sell used toilets. We sold, sold brand new toilets, in case you were wondering. Nobody wants to sell used toilets, I'm sure of this. <clears throat> Uh, so I, it was awesome to be able to come and join the staff here as the kids director. And, and I, I realized very quickly that, you know, working with kids, you know, I had my own kids, but working with kids, you, it's fun to mess with them a little bit and joke around and high five and goof off and have a good time. But you, that only goes so far because kids, they have this sense of knowing whether or not someone truly, authentically, sincerely loves them. And I learned really quickly that the jokes and the fun and all that stuff, that could last for a moment. But if I'm really going to have an impact on the team of people that we were serving together to minister to kids, and especially for the kids themselves, it had to go beyond just the little quirky, fun stuff that we did because they could see whether or not I truly, sincerely, and authentically loved them. Really, what they were looking for is, does Mr. Matt love me like he means it? Does he love me like he means it? Kids, they, they understand if you, if you truly love them, they're going to sense and smell out if you're a fake or you're a phony. And we'll be looking at this passage here today in, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. And follow along as I read aloud. But before we do, let's, let's just bow in a word of prayer as we look at Jesus as he calls those who are his followers to love like they mean it. 
Our Father in heaven, we, we thank you so much that Jesus is worthy to be praised, as we just sang. He's worthy to be praised because he's the king of the universe, but he's the God who put on flesh and became like us so that he could rescue us. And we're going to hear his words this morning from Scripture. And I ask, Father, that your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who lives in those who belong to Jesus, I pray that he would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things out of your law. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Follow along as I read aloud. But when the Pharisees heard that he, being Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We're in the middle of this story where Jesus is is getting prepared to, to go and do the final work that God the Father had called him to do. To go and bear the sins of humanity by being crucified and giving himself over willingly to sinful sinful people to be crucified. But but as Jesus is getting ready to go do this, he's he's teaching and he's talking and he's teaching his disciples and he's teaching the crowds and, and the religious leaders they hated Jesus because of the influence they had and, and the crowds that followed him. And so some of the religious leaders thought, let's go to this so-called rabbi, this so-called Messiah, and see if we could catch him in his words and trick him into saying something that would cause him to stumble and cause him to fall. But one by one, the groups go by, and Jesus has an answer for them, because Jesus is the source of all truth and all wisdom. Amen? And so a group called the Sadducees, they come to him, and, and they get wiped out. Jesus just, just wipes them out. And so the Pharisees, they're another group, and they love the law, and they teach the law, and they have lawyers who teach the law, and they said, let's bring one of our best lawyers for him. And so he comes forward and he says, all right, let's see if he can answer this question correctly. Because these are the kinds of things that us teachers of the law, we debate about all the time and we can't get our heads wrapped around it. Maybe Jesus, we could find him stumbling here with this really tough question. Teacher, what is the great commandment? Jesus doesn't hesitate. He doesn't hesitate. He says, you know, you know the commandment. He said, you shall love the Lord with all, your, with all your heart, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus goes right back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, what is called the Shema or hear O Israel passage. When God is talking to Israel, giving them their final charge before they were to go and take the promised land. Hear O Israel, know this that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You're going to go and you're going to find all kinds of idols all over the land you're about to take over. But I want to let you know that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Well, how are you supposed to respond to this one God? Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You see, Jesus is appealing to them in this moment, using this verse to say, you have all of your religious ceremonies, you have all your external practices, all your religious practices, but he says, true love, true devotion, true to commitment to this one true God comes in the places that you can't see. It comes from your heart. 
It comes in your mind. What do you love? What do you think about? Your strength, your soul, the invisible parts of you. Because it's easy to come to church. It's easy to raise our hands and sing. It's easy to drop the offerings in the, in the basket as it goes by. It's easy to sit and listen to a sermon. But what the kind of love that God desires is a love that's real. A love that's real. We got to love God like we mean it deep down in our soul. And then Jesus moves on and he says this. And here's the other commandment and it's like it. And it's the second command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes on to qualify who our neighbor is. It's not who we choose to be our neighbor. God chooses our neighbors for us. Really, our neighbors are those who are right next to us. The people we pass on the street. The people we see walking their dogs in our neighborhoods. It's the people that we pass in the marketplaces. It's the people that we see uh, in, in our jobs and, and in our communities. Wherever God's placed you, you are called to love your neighbor. And it's not just supposed to be this token, uh, false, very shallow love. It's supposed to be this love that comes from the heart. Just as you would care for yourself, you are called to care for your neighbor. And so Jesus says, I'm giving you the number one command. Love like you mean it. Like you mean it. Not fake, not phony, not just external, but love like you mean it. I've been thinking this week, a lot of reflection this week about our time at Valley Bible Church. It's the longest I've ever been in any one church. I love Valley Bible Church. I, I think Valley Bible has a reputation of being a loving church. And today I, I just want to say thank you for being a loving church. And in that thanks, I also want to challenge the Nicosia family. And I want to challenge you as, as we find ourselves on opposite coasts. The challenge is, is that we've got to continue to love like we mean it. 50 years of faithful, loving ministry in one place is amazing. It's awesome. But we can't do something that would cause us to lose the mission. And that would be to rest on our laurels. You ever heard that phrase before? Resting on your laurels. I had to go and do some research here. What does that mean, rest on your laurels? Well, it means this. It, it means that you've accomplished something so great and so significant that you just kind of sit and rest and enjoy the fact that you've accomplished something great, but you're not seeking to achieve something new. In fact, back in uh, the days of ancient Rome and Greece, when, when, when Olympians were competing, when they'd, when they'd win a competition, they'd put a, a crown of laurel leaves on their head as the, as the signification, as, as the moment to show everyone they're the victor. They've accomplished the great task of being the great conqueror and victor uh, of a great feat. And so even today, those that, that accomplish great feats, especially in the world of academia, they're called laureates. They're the ones that, that have the crowns. And we don't give them actual crowns on their heads, but they're laureates. They're the ones that have accomplished great and meaningful victories and tasks, whether in the, the fields of literature or science or art or whatever it may be. They've accomplished great things. But the term has come to mean this. If you rest on your laurels, it's not just being satisfied that you've accomplished something great. It's to lose your zeal and to lose your passion to continue down that path, to do great things. And for those of us who know Jesus Christ, we rest in the fact that Jesus has conquered sin and death for us, but we're not to rest on our laurels and say, our work is complete. No, we have a work to do to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
That's what Jesus has called us to. And here's our, my final big idea that I could share with you. It's this. It's for you and for me and for my family. Love like you mean it. Love like you mean it. Valley Bible Church, don't rest on the laurels of past success, but recommit once again a day after day after day after day after day to love like you mean it. Four ways you can love like you mean it. And I'll keep you on the edge of your seat, I guess. I'm just going to give you one at a time instead of all four right now. Four ways to love like you can mean it. First is this. Love Christ like you mean it. Love Christ like you mean it. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, duh, right? I mean, does it get any more elementary or basic than that? Well, no, it doesn't. But the thing that we may think is most basic and fundamental to being a follower of Jesus Christ could be the very thing that is our undoing, to fall out of love with Christ. Again, Jesus, he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, love the Lord your God. So you may be asking yourself right now, well, aren't I supposed to love God the Father and, and God the Spirit and, and, and also God the Son who's Jesus? But, but listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verses 20 through 21. He says, in that day you will know that I, Jesus is speaking, am in the Father. And you, my disciples, are in me, and I in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love and manifest myself to him. Here's the miracle, friends, that the, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they've been in perfect loving unity for all of eternity. And the, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, although we are undeserving sinners because of what Jesus has done on the cross and raising victoriously from the dead for us, he invites us into this love community. And so when we love Christ, we are in this love relationship relationship with the Father and with the Son. And so to love Christ is to love the Father and to love the Spirit as well. Loving Christ. Love Christ like you mean it, friends. Paul the Apostle, I think he's appealing back to what Jesus says all the time. And that's what the apostles do, right? Jesus is the cornerstone. The apostles are the foundation of this building, the church, but Jesus is the chief cornerstone. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Ephesian Christians and, and he writes this at the very end of his letter. The thing that he wants them to remember more than anything, it's this. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 23 to 24. By the way, it's my last sermon in this pulpit, so I figured I'm just going to like preach the whole Bible this morning, alright? So just bear with me a little bit. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 23 to 24 says this. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Grace be upon those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Love that's undying. Love that's unending. Friends, do we want to see grace and peace and hope for the future at Valley Bible Church and the future for my family in Fairfax, Virginia? Continue to love Christ with a love that's incorruptible, a love that's unending, a love that's undivided, a love that is eternal, a love that is incorruptible and unending and undying. Love Christ. So did the Ephesians answer the call? Did they answer the call that Paul gave them to, to love the Lord Jesus Christ with an unending love? 
We see Jesus' evaluation of that actually in Revelation chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. And, and Jesus, through the Apostle John, he's writing to, to seven churches. And, and Jesus speaks to the church at Ephesus specifically. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know that you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you've not grown weary. And that's quite a commendation. I know you, Jesus is telling the Ephesian Christians, the Ephesian church, hey, I see you. You're a church that is very discerning. You've got great doctrine. You've got great theology and you endure it and you cut it straight and you divide it right. But Jesus says this, verse 4 of Revelation 2, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember therefore where you've fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Friends, this is a, a warning to us. We can't rest on our laurels. We can't rest on five, uh, five decades of faithful, loving Christ together and in this community. No, we must remember that we're to love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love, an incorruptible love, an unlending love. In those days when I feel like, oh, my, my love for Jesus is waning, the temptations of this world are starting to draw in my heart and mind, and you come alongside me like you've been doing for the last 20 years the Nicosias have been together, don't stop loving Christ. Love Him. Give Him your heart. Give Him your thoughts. Give Him your strength. Give Him your choices. Give Him your body every single day. He's worth it. Grace be upon those who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an unending love. Do not rest on your laurels, friends. Don't rest on your laurels. Love Christ. Love Messiah. Love Jesus with an unending love. Oh, my heart and my prayer would that someday when Jesus breaks through the sky and he comes for his people, that he would look down at Valley Bible Church and see a people that are loving Christ with an unending and undying love. I believe the best for you, Valley Bible Church. I believe and hope the best for you, Valley Bible Church. We've seen five decades of loving Christ. Continue to love Christ. Don't rest on your laurels. When we rest on our laurels in the place of a love for Christ, we substitute religious practice. Love turns into laziness. Passion turns into passivity. Prayer turns to passing time with frivolous pursuits. Compassion turns into condemnation. Praise gives way to preference. Reverence succumbs to relevance. In short, we become more in love with who we are and what we do than who God is and what he's done in Jesus Christ. Don't rest on your laurels. And I'm preaching to me. Don't rest on your laurels of past moments of love for Christ. No grace be upon those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Love like you mean it. Love Christ like you mean it. He deserves all of you. Not part of you. 99% is enough. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't give 99% on the cross. He gave up himself for you and for me. 
and the most joyful, the most blessed, the most grace-filled, the most peace-filled place that Valley Bible Church can be for the future is in a place where they are loving Christ like they mean it. Love Christ. Secondly, love his word like you mean it. Love his word like you mean it. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 15 to his disciples, If you love me, then you will keep or obey my commandments. It's pretty simple. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Where do we find his commandments? In his word, right? We love his word. You cannot say that you love Christ and not love his word. You see, the mind of God, the will of God, the heart of God, the character of God, the God we profess to love, the Christ that we love is revealed right here in his word. When we love his word, we are loving Christ. And when we stop obeying his commands, we show that we despise his word. In fact, that's what God, through the prophet Nathan, told uh, King David, a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. And yet because he did not love his word in a moment, the word of God in a moment of weakness, he did the unthinkable. And this is what God says to to David through the prophet. 2 Samuel verse 12 through 9. uh, uh, Chapter 12 verse 9. David, why have you despised the word of the Lord? To do what is evil in his sight. You've struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. How could this be a man who has a heart after God's heart? He despised the word of God in a moment and it cost him almost everything. Oh friends, we cannot rest on our laurels about being a word-loving church. I mean, we are Valley Bible Church, amen? And we could see five decades of, of preaching and, and teaching and Bible study and small groups and sermons and lessons and mission trips proclaiming this word. And we could think to ourselves, of course we love God's word. And we can begin to rest on our laurels. And when we do that, we come ready to critique the messenger of God with the scriptures rather than letting the message of God critique us. We assume that we've been there and and done that with books of the Bible. I mean, we've been through Romans how many times and we think, oh, it's got nothing to say to us any longer. We treat the scriptures like a textbook that proves our positions on subject matters rather than looking to the subject matter of the book, who is Jesus Christ. In short, our love for the word of God can become more perceived than real. The Bible becomes more a a prop we like to show off than a divine word from God that transforms us from the inside out. Love the word of Christ like you mean it. Read it. Cherish it. Enjoy it. Savor it. I've been spending time this week in Psalm 119. It's been convicting but rejuvenating to my soul. Psalm 119 verses 33 to 40 says this about the scriptures, about the law of God, the word of God, the written word of God. It says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments. Listen to what the writer says, for I delight in it. Do you delight in it? In the word of Christ. 
Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Do we have a lot of worthless things to look at in this world? Oh my goodness. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. There's life here. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness give me life. Later on in verse 103 of Psalm 119, listen, it says, How sweet, how sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Do you just take moments and you got you to set aside time to say, I'm just going to savor God's word right now. It's sweet to my mind and my heart and my life like honey on my tongue. Oh, that we'd savor and cherish and delight in the word of Christ. Later on in verses 129 through 131, it's a long chapter, Psalm 119, right? Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Oh, I pray that we would be a people that aren't resting on our laurels. Oh, I heard a sermon on Sunday, on Monday afternoon. I can't even tell you what the preacher talked about. No, 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 that we'd be a people that see it and savor it and delight in it and meditate upon it and chew upon it and say... You, Lord, have the words of eternal life. That we cherish it. His word. Oh, don't rest on your laurels. Find yourselves. Oh, that God would look down at the congregation at Valley Bible Church. On you and upon me. And in our, uh, at our tables. Maybe even before the break of dawn. By a little lamp with a cup of tea or coffee. And God would look down and say, oh, they're panting after my word. That they'd find us in, in small groups and Bible studies. Discussing the word. That we'd be praying the word. That we'd be encouraging each other with his word and above all that we'd be obeying his word oh don't rest on the laurels of past successes oh no valley bible church love the word of christ like you mean it like you mean it first peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 the apostle peter writes put away all malice put away all deceit Put away all hypocrisy and envy and all slander and be like a little baby, a newborn infant that you've, you've seen it before and long for the pure spiritual milk. Long for it. Do you hunger for this word today? If you don't, I, I love it. I, I just saw Malcolm Lee in between services and I told him one of the greatest gifts he ever gave me was this prayer from the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So he said, the Lord taught me to pray this way. Fix my appetite. Fix my appetite. If you're here today and you don't hunger for his word, it's not a problem with the word. It's a problem with your appetite. Oh, we'll pray together. We will pray together. And I pray that I travel 2,500 miles away every mile. Lord, fix my appetite. Don't let us rest on our laurels, but to hunger and thirst for righteousness and to love the word of Christ like we mean it. Valley Bible Church, my family, Love Christ like you mean it. Love his word like you mean it. And thirdly, love one another like you mean it. 
love one another like you mean it. Now, our, our day and age is not a place that really is characterized by love. Amen? Uh, we see that the love that's on display in our culture, in our day and age, is a love for one person and one alone. Me, myself, and I. And even when I kind of express love for another person, really, it's just because what they can give me, right? That's because of a hardness of our hearts. Our hearts are hard and callous toward one another. And the Apostle Paul said this, no, 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 you've got to love one another like you mean it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 19, he gives them a warning. The Ephesians, once again, the Ephesian Christians, he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. Oh, friends, if you think that a heart. A hard heart is just uh, possible outside these walls. Oh, it doesn't take long to find that we can get some hard hearts too. I'm sure you've seen times where, Matt, you, it's, I'm sad to see you go, but there's been a few times I was like, I wish you'd leave sooner, right? Uh, you could ask my wife and my kids, right? I am not lovable all the time, and guess what? Neither are you. But we're called to love one another and not have a hard heart, a calloused heart toward one another. But we are to love one another like we mean it. Like we mean it. If we rest on our laurels, because Valley Bible Church has been a loving place. A loving place. I love to go and brag about my family at Valley Bible Church. I've been places before, they said, tell me about, about Valley Bible Church. I said, the first thing I want to tell you is they love, they'll love you. They'll love you like they mean it. I've, I've experienced so much love here. Uh, conversations that I've had with you. Moments where maybe I was in a financial jam and, and just anonymous checks or groceries just show up at my door. How does this happen? It's from God, but it's from you. You've shown so much love to me and my family and to one another. But oh, we can't rest on our laurels because if we do, our hearts can become so hard. What happens? Well, encouragement turns into expectations. Peace gives way to petty arguments. Joy turns into jabs. Compliments are crowded out by complaints. Thank yous turn into thanks for nothings. Loyalty toward one another fades for a lack of commitment. Hospitality, welcoming one another. Hospitality is sacrificed on the altar of personal happiness. Forgiveness is replaced with forgetting one another because of bitter and hard hearts. Friends, we cannot rest on our laurels. We've got to love one another like we mean it. The Apostle Paul goes on to write in, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. He says, let all bitterness and all wrath and clamor and slander be put away along with all malice. Oh, could there be here today in this church any wrath, any bitterness, any anger or any slander? Oh, friends, let's make the commitment to let it go. To let that go. To love like we mean it. And in place of that, let's, verse 32 says, be kind to one another kindness, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in what? Love. Walk in love. Who's the example as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us? A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'm so glad that Christ loved us like he meant it. And because he's loved us, we're called to love one another like we mean it. 
Colossians 3, 12 to 14. I told you I'm going all over the Bible today. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. I'm so thankful for the compassionate hearts that I see every week here ministering to babies. What can babies offer you? I mean, they're cute, but they don't clean themselves. Amen? They don't feed themselves. They don't comfort themselves. I see the compassionate and tender love of Jesus on display in our nursery and with our kids' junior teams and with our elementary teams and with our youth ministries. I've seen, I've seen people, youth leaders, small group leaders, put an arm around my kids when they've been hurting and crying and love them. I've seen it on display at summer night camp and, and at uh, Candy Kingdom and other events and things that we do and we see love on display because of the compassion and kind and tender hearts that I've seen from you. Compassionate, kind hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. Colossians 3.13 Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint one another, hold on to it and bury it and, and get a grudge, right? No. No, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Valley Bible Church, don't rest on your laurels, but Colossians 3.14, above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Some of you may have been thinking, you know what, the, the unity of love at Valley Bible Church is under threat. Guess what? It's been under threat for 50 years. Okay. It's, it's always been under threat. It's always been under threat because that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to stop. He wants to cause you to stop loving one another like you mean it and give in to bitterness and wrath. But today, we don't have to rest on our laurels of past love. We can renew a commitment to say, we're going to love one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Love one another like you mean it. Like you mean it. Are there any grudges left? Go ask forgiveness. Seek restoration. Love each other. Love Christ like you mean it. Love his word like you mean it. Love one another like you mean it. And lastly, love the lost like you mean it. Love the lost like you mean it. Luke chapter 19 verse 10, Jesus says, The Son of Man, speaking of himself, came to seek and to save the healthy and the found, those who have it all together. Is that what he did? He came to seek and to save the lost. There were groups of people that hated this about Jesus. The religious leaders, they saw his influence and his love toward people as a threat. In fact, we find in Luke 5, 27 to 32, after this, uh, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi. I mean, this is some of the scum of the culture of the day. He found this man named Levi, a tax collector, sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made, a, uh, made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of everyone who had it all together. No, tax collectors and sinners, lost people, and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes, they hated this. They grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If we're going to love Christ, if we're going to love his word, if we're going to love one another, it means that eventually we're also going to love the lost. 
We are going to love the lost. We can't rest on our laurels of past successes, how we've reached out to our community. Sean's birthday barbecue. I remember setting up tables and tearing them down for Sean's birthday barbecue. I remember out here, I've stood with some of you out in the cold for Christmas and Hercules. I've seen a love for the lost. I've seen this baptismal tank filled with people who got dunked and said, I love Jesus. I was lost and now I'm found because of the love that I've experienced through Jesus here at this place with this community. We've seen it time and time again. We can't rest on our laurels. We've got to continue to love the lost like we mean it. If we rest on our laurels when it comes to the lost, our love turns to a lack of tenderness. Our desires for justice for their sake devolve into self-righteous judgment upon them. Compassion turns into cancellation. Urgency to proclaim the good news to hurting people turns into disgust from watching too much bad news on television and media. And there's a lot of it, right? We see our neighbors more as enemies instead of those who are held captive by the prince of this world who need to meet the one who sets the captives free. We feel doomed by the state of our culture rather than destined for victory through our Lord Jesus Christ who calls us to invite other sinners into his victory. Oh, we can't rest on our laurels. A compassion and tender, compassionate and tender heart toward the lost. In closing, we see that on display from Jesus in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, we see a group of people that hated Jesus for this. And we see that that Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, verse 1 of Luke 15. They were all drawing near to, to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, here they are grumbling again, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. They didn't have it together enough. There's too much sin Maybe there was a a Rachel like we heard from the story earlier with an an unplanned pregnancy. And we could sit back as, as people who are trying to seek to obey God's commands and we could say, you know what? They're in a mess that they created. They made the choice. You know what? That the punishment fits the crime. Having sex outside of marriage, fooling around and here they are with an unplanned parent uh, pregnancy. They're getting what they deserve. Oh, That is so far from the heart of Jesus, friends. Jesus is full of grace. He's full of compassion for people like this Rachel that we heard in this story. He was gracious to you. He's been gracious to me. Oh, if it weren't for the grace of God, we would be those Rachels. We would be those ones. We would be those Levi's, those tax collectors. But when the grace of Jesus shows up, he transforms us. That's what the gospel of Jesus does. We can't rest on our laurels of past success. We've got to recommit to love the lost like we mean it. Love the lost like we mean it. When a shepherd who's lost one sheep and he leaves behind 99 to go find that one, guess what that shepherd does? And he finds it. He he throws a party. And Jesus says in, in Luke chapter 15 verse 7, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And, and if a woman loses a coin and she, she can't find it and she cleans up her whole room to find that lost precious coin, she invites her friends over. I, I found it. I thought my inheritance was lost, but I found it. And she throws a party and Jesus says in verse 10 of Luke 15, just so I tell you there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. A party's thrown when lost people find grace. 
And then we see the story of a father who loses a young son to foolishness and goes and squanders his inheritance across the, across the land. And then he finally finds himself in dire straits and he comes home. And, and, and what does the father do? The father says, I found the son who I lost. Wraps his arm around that son. And what does the older brother do? What does the older brother do? He's disgusted by it. He's disgusted by it. Resting on his laurels of his own self-righteousness. And what does Jesus tell us that this father says to the son who's angry and bitter? He says, son, you're always with me. Luke 5, 15, 31. You're always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and has found. Oh, that we continue to have a love for lost people like we mean it. Who's the neighbor that you've been talking to that you know that's hurting? A coworker, a family member, waiting to hear good news. Oh, that you love them. That you deliver good news when the time is right to say, I've got good news for you. And I want to love you like I mean it because our Lord has loved you like you mean it. This is what it means to, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We love Christ. We love his word. We love one another and we love the lost. And as I have my final moment up here, as I'm gonna pray for you, I just wanna tell you thank you, Valley Bible Church, for the time that I've been here to love Christ. Thank you for loving his word. Thank you for loving one another, including me, and thank you for teaching me to partner with you to love the lost like we mean it. Don't rest on your laurels. I don't want to rest on mine, past successes. Oh, that we would love like we mean it. And for those of you that have never experienced this love, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, it's time for me to pick up myself, right, and just try a little bit harder, a little bit more energy to love. I, I want to tell you, the reason why this church has been a loving church isn't because they're powerful or mighty or wise or wealthy. It's because we've received a love that goes light years beyond any love that we could ever receive. For God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us like he meant it. And because of that love that was displayed on an old rugged cross, we'll proclaim that old rugged cross. I promise you, I want to give my life. If you give your life in Hercules, California, I'll give it in Fairfax, Virginia. We'll preach that old rugged cross to sinners, hurting people. We'll love like we mean it. It's the same old message that you need to hear today. This message that we've celebrated all this last month, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that if you confess with your sins if confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and confess your sins and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you can receive this love this love that is unparalleled oh that you'd receive it today Valley Bible Church love Christ love his word love one another and love the lost like you mean it let's pray Father in heaven I thank you so much for a church that's characterized by love. Uh, a great tradition, a great history of love at this place. But oh, Father, I, I'm challenged. I don't want to rest on my laurels of past success and, 
And we don't want to see Valley Bible Church rest on their laurels of past success. Rather, we commit today together as a church family to say, we're going to love Christ like we mean it. Today, tomorrow, and the next. And we're also going to love his word like we mean it. And we're going to love one another like we mean it. And we're going to love the lost like we mean it. Father, I pray that, that there would be a, a renewal, refreshment, new ministry, new baptisms, new events, new, new conversions. Oh, let it be. Let it be for another five decades at Valley Bible Church and at Fairfax Bible Church that we would be found loving our Lord and His Word and one another and the lost to the end. Oh, let it be. I believe that you're going to do it, Lord. I believe in your Word. I believe that you could uh, preserve this place now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to keep you loving like you mean it to him be glory and honor and majesty forever and ever we thank you so much for your love it's in the name of the love of Jesus Christ we pray amen God bless you Valley Bible we love you so much